and welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, and to check out my free guides, playbooks, podcasts, or whenever you're ready to apply to work with me, head over to samdunning.org. First, we've got to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Dealfront. Getting through to decision makers is harder than ever before. Most data tools promise the earth, but just don't deliver. Imagine your sales and marketing team could target ideal fit leads and close deals with a single tool. There's no need to imagine. Dealfront's revenue engine is built on live European data in multiple languages. Access information other platforms can't. Easily select decision makers you want to start conversations with, grab their direct cell phones and emails. Its algorithm understands the nuances in EU data, languages, culture and regulations. Dealfront draws from three layers of data, market signals, web visitors and EU company databases. The platform's built for Europe's strict compliance standards, offering transparency into how it sources data giving you GDPR compliance other platforms just can't compete with. Grab a free demo today at dealfront.com. That's dealfront.com or visit the link in the description below. So today we've got returning guest, the UK's most hated sales trainer, also more formally known as Benjamin Dennehy. We're going to be diving into why founders bloody suck at selling and how you can fix it. We're going to be talking a bit about the mindset can anyone learn to sell? Because you've got more technical founders, you've got more founders that are used to selling and everything in between. What the usual mindset around it is, where you should get started. And we're going to share some practical tips that both Benjamin and I have used for our businesses. So with that, Benjamin, welcome back to the show, Squire. How are we? I do well. Yes, it's nice to be back. So thank you for having me on. Obviously, didn't piss off enough people the first time. So let's uh, see what we can do now, right? Pl- plenty of time in the next 30, 40 minutes. So <laughs> as we always do, let's get let's crack on straight away with the subject. So All right. first and foremost, something I've seen over the years, and I'm sure you're exactly the same, Benjamin, why do so many founders, so many people start a business, but then realize they're absolutely awful when it comes to sales? Why is that? Uh, what? The answer is obvious because no one sets up a business to be a salesman. Why do you set up a business? It's because you have an idea or a concept or a pro- or you've got something that you love and you passionately believe is going to change people's lives or make them better or whatever it is that drives you. But you're, it's like your firstborn child. So to you, it's the most amazing, important, precious, beautiful thing in the world. And so you go into business and you think, I want people to have this. I want other people to thrive on this. And so they set up a business and they don't realize it, but now you've got to sell it. You've actually got to sell it's not. It's not like Kevin Costner's Field of Dreams, build it and they will come sort of thing. No. And that's when they realize, I can't sell. Mm. But they have initial success and they do do okay. Actually, no, that's not true because 80 was it 80% of businesses fail in the first 12 months. Yeah. Something like that, isn't it? It's it's something, whether it's 12 months, three years, whatever it is, it always boils down to the fact that you can't sell it. And what you do is if you've got something that you're passionate about, that'll work for a while. You get in front of people and you're like, Tigger on speed. And this is amazing. Just give me a Mm. shot. 
Yeah. yeah. And some people say, all right, all right, I get it. I, I love it. Okay, we're in. And so you have these initial sales built off your passion and energy. But that can't last forever. And you're very rarely able to pass that on to employees. So you're never going to get, you know, you may be lucky, but find a salesman that can exude as much enthusiasm and energy for this like you and treat it like they're their own. So what happens is, is after some initial success and getting a bit of a base, they want to step back from it. And they realize, actually, I don't really know how to sell. And what's worse is, because I don't know how to sell, I don't know how to hire salespeople. And that's one mm. of the reasons why they fail. If you don't know how to sell, how do you hire a salesman? What are you looking for? And so True. they end up hiring people that look good and sound good and can, you know, wow them like they wow people. I've been no there. So I've I think been there with my business as well, for yeah. sure. For sure. So that's the yes. reason. People set up businesses not to be salesmen. They set up businesses because they have a passion. But you've got to sell the passion. That's why. Yeah, it's a fair point. And I think in today's episode, I want to focus on bootstrap founders. I don't want to talk about founders that have got a ton of funding that have the lend luxury where they can think, well, I'm more technically minded, so I'm not even going to go near a sales conversation. Yes. I can hire a bunch of salespeople or even hire a sales leader who's got experience to hire salespeople. So we're <laughs> going to leave that aside and we're going to talk about kind of founders that are in the heat of it. Okay. And like you said, I think... I think passion can get you so far. So perhaps you've got a brilliant idea around an offer, whether that is a product service or SaaS solution, yeah. something in between. And then you can you can um, have the passion. So you have those fired up conversations. Perhaps you start networking or you bring in your friends mm. and your close network. And then you start, you close a few deals with them. But then like you say, it comes to kind of month two or three and you're thinking, oh shit, like revenue's down. I've almost burnt through half of my savings. Yeah. Like, how the heck am I going to keep, Keep money on the table and keep this business why, afloat. Yeah, it's like, why aren't people buying? I'm not doing anything different. And it's like, well, because when you first started, it was new. and re But now you realize just doing more of the same energetic ja, 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 ja doesn't work because that's not how people buy. That's not how selling works. It's like anyone could fake being a surgeon. Most of us could probably maybe, I don't know, get partway through an operation before anyone figured out we didn't really know what we were doing. So you, you could fake stuff. Yeah. Mm. And that's what happens. And after a while, you're not systematically closing. You're not systematically prospecting. You don't know how to do that. You just rely on, well, what I've done has worked so far. I don't know why it's not working anymore. Yeah. And that's because energy and passion and enthusiasm are not a sales strategy. Mm. Yeah. They work for a while, but they run out of steam. What are some of the key issues that you've seen with you've spoken to a bunch of founders, entrepreneurs mm. and everyone in between over the years? And I think this will be vitally useful, not just for founders, if you're listening in. But I think this could be anyone that's aspiring to start up their own business at some stage or perhaps any sales reps or marketing execs that just need a bit of a lighter up their ass to kind of give them some tips. So what are some of the big mistakes you see um, more focused around founders when it comes to their, their sales strategy or lack thereof? Uh, one is the belief that you've got to have all your ducks in a row. Got to have the website, mm. got to have the collateral, got to have this, got to have that. And so they spend all the time building this wonderful thing. Mm. And it's like, you know, you need to sell it. And all you need to sell it is a phone book and a phone. Yeah. And you need to be getting in front of it. You don't need a website. Yeah. Come on, go, but what if you phone people up and they go, can we have a look at your website? I got nowhere to send it. Who cares? Yeah. Like the website suddenly going to make the go. Oh my God. I can't believe I've never seen this before. Yes. I'll buy. Thank you for calling. Yeah. It's, it's, it's excuses 
to avoid doing the tough things. So they do all the really nice things that you like doing. Bit irritating, but I quite like a new website. It looks kind of cool that I can send people to it. I love to create the collateral and all that. It look, I, I like that. It, it's a headache. You've got to do it. But and then I do all of that. And then right now, I've got to sell. And then I realize all this collateral and shit that they created doesn't actually help them sell and prospect. And so we've just wasted months and all this money on stuff that doesn't achieve. No, start selling stuff. Get in front of people. You don't need a website. You can have a one page. What, what do you guys call it? A landing page. Yeah, sure. take about 10 minutes to knock to you. It's a brochure. No one buys. Well, no, this is not a sweeping statement. But very rarely is anyone going to stumble across your website and say, oh, my God, this is so awesome. I'm just going to buy whatever's on it. It just, just worked like that. So that's one of the biggest mistakes is focusing on all the shiny, shiny kind of glossy stuff that they think they need. In mm. reality, they're ignoring the main thing. You need to be getting in front of people to talk to to sell this. Yeah, and that doesn't require anything fancy. It's just a phone and some numbers and the commitment to do it. So that, that would be the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is we've already touched on it. A lot yep. of people, particularly when they set up a business, don't want to do the selling. So they hire someone and they often go for someone with experience in the sector. Yeah. So they look for someone that comes from a similar background, thinking that, well, all I have to do is show them the product, show them how it works, sit back, and uh, the money will roll in. Unfortunately, <laughs> again, it very rarely goes that way because most salespeople, well, this, is, this is the first thing I always say. If a salesperson's looking for a job, you should already be suspicious. Why is a salesperson looking? I don't get why. Why do you? Yeah, salespeople should not be unemployed, particularly good ones. So there's no legitimate reason for someone to apply for your job. That's what I like. So I'd be suspicious. Yeah. If you were doing it properly, you'd poach someone. Right. Or they'd be, or they'd use a different approach, wouldn't they? They wouldn't go through a standard upload their CV onto a job portal or that kind of thing. They'd they'd call you or they'd do an unusual email outreach or a video outreach or send you something in the mail or meet you or something like that. Something unusual. Or or you grab for them, like you say. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, what, 46. If a 46-year-old guy applied to you for a sales job, I am probably pretty shit. Yeah, because a guy my age probably shouldn't be looking for a job. Because if I was good, I wouldn't be unemployed. So why am I unemployed? Why do I not have a sales job? I, I, so now, there could be some legitimate reasons. There'll be a few. But most of the time, it's like, why are you looking for a new job? You know, new experience. That's code for I'm going to lose my current job. Yeah. Mm. So, so, so the the second biggest mistake is hiring people that can't sell. They get sold on the salesman. Very good at selling themselves. Oh, yeah, I got plenty of experience, and they can rattle you through. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to focus on this. We're going to target on this. All sounds good, and then you get them on payroll. You go, I tell you what. Why don't you make some calls? Nah, I don't really prospect. What? Nah, I'm a social seller. Yeah, I'm a social seller. It's about building relationships. Fuck, I could have built relationships. Yeah, I hired you to go and kick down doors. Yeah, but they don't, and they don't realize that. So they never put them through mm. their paces. They don't employ people that can do the job. Everybody in sales meetings lies. They all say they like prospecting. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can prospect. But they don't do it when they're paid. Or if they do do it, they've got a 1,001 excuses as to why they can't get on the phone. Oh, we need collateral. You keep asking me to send an email. I don't have anything to send. So I'll spend the next few weeks pulling something together. And so that's the second one. Yeah, they hire people that can't sell 
because they don't know what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, I've been and there. the third been one there. would be yeah, too reliant on social selling. Um, yeah. Social selling works. Don't get me wrong. I, in fact, I don't like the phrase social selling. I call it social marketing because that's all there it is. I socially market. I use YouTube. I use LinkedIn. I use Twitter. All of that, though, is to create content that entertains and draws people in. Then they either come direct to me and then I sell or they go to a website and they place an order. So I cover both bases. I'm an order taker and the sales. But um, yeah, so I would say those are the top three top three reasons why I like it. suck. I like it. And I didn't even bite on the first one, investing too much into a, into a shiny website, even though I run a B2B website and SEO company. But I actually think you're right, especially if you're bootstrapped. But I've even done a bunch of content on this on my podcast and on LinkedIn saying there's no point in getting distracted with a kind of state of the arts website that's going to cost you 10, 20 grand, take you months and months to design, build, put out the content because all you want to start with is an MVP, whether that is a landing page or a couple pages that just mm. shares what you do, problem you fix, how you help, quick, maybe a couple testimonials, maybe an idea of your pricing and an easy way to get in touch. That's it. That is all you need. Just so then if you're doing that prospecting, we're making some sales conversations, people can flick on it, see that you're legit, check you do you can do what you say you do have a quick idea of how you cost and then carry on the convo that's it until I mean, you, you get you to... would think nobody sold anything prior to the internet the way people talk like right oh no you gotta be gonna it's a well, well what happened before 1995 when the internet kind of started what the hell mm. were people doing for a thousand years it's like they were talking to people they're picking up the phone uh you know there, there was none of this nonsense that you're told you must have i get now the world's changed and all of these things are important mm. but they're not necessary to sell pick up the phone get a phone book buy some data get some numbers the cost is almost zero you buy the data that's going to be your biggest expense most of you've got minutes galore for free so yeah it's literally there's no cost to this yet mm. It's the one thing they avoid doing because it's tough. It's uncomfortable. I don't know how to do it. A lot of rejection. Let's fucking waste months building a website and hope that by the end of it, people will just give us cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd counter that with saying, especially if you're a bootstrap founder, which we're kind of focusing on today's podcast, you're probably yeah. not going to have the cash to actually market that website effectively. No. So you're probably not going to have the time or money unless you've got the expertise to spend on things like SEO or Google ads or other forms of paid media that drive traffic to your site to convert. So unless you've got a ton of cash to invest in that inbound marketing strategy, the website is just build an MVP because then you've got a decent brochure site that people can flick at when you strike the conversation. On the yeah. second point, hiring salespeople, the second point, completely agree. Been there with our businesses. Um, I've hired, we've hired people that have kind of walked the walk, talked the talk, been super enthusiastic, given it the proper gift of the gab job. And then you hire them day, like a week into the job, you're thinking, what the heck are they doing? It's like, yeah. Why aren't you on the phone? Why aren't you striking up conversations? And then they've got every excuse under the book, like you say, whether oh, that's on social selling or um, building relationships or it's not a quick thing. Every excuse under the book. And then I've got yeah. to get my head around the product and understand. Salespeople, are, 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 this is true. There's no other profession in the world that constantly needs a ramp up period whenever they start somewhere new. So imagine a lawyer. You know, a lawyer who lives in London decides to relocate to Manchester and he gets up there and his law firm says, you're in court this week. Oh, no, 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 I, I can't. I haven't been in a courtroom in Manchester. I, I can't. No, no, no. I, I'm going to have to just get a feel for how things are. So fuck it. The law is the law. It doesn't matter where you are. 
same with surgery. You don't do it in a new hospital. It's like, I can't do operating. I just got to get a feel first for the fear. No, you're screwed in because the skill comes with you. It's got nothing to do with the product. It's mm. what's up here. So it should take you about half a day to get ramped up when you start the sales job. What does this fix? Who cares? So what and why? And that's it. I'm ready to start selling it. Yeah? It's, it's, yeah. So it's all just Salespeople are exceptionally good at making excuses. Oh, yeah. Is... Well, I would too if I was doing a job I didn't want to do. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're getting a high base salary, you can get away with it. Then you can kind of, kind of understand the poor companies that are employing them. Um, yeah, I know. That's why there's a. That's why I look forward to the next recession because it's good for business owners. Because what happens is, is you end up laying off people, but then you realise the same amount of money still coming in, and then you realise, well, so what the hell were they doing? Oh, they were just taking the forty-five k commission, doing some basic prospecting, and uh, yeah, feeding you along. Yeah, no, you, honestly, yeah, the world would work better without salespeople. I reckon. Mm, mm, it's, it's a funny one. Um, yeah, we move on. Point three. Yes. Too reliant on social selling or, in your words, social marketing. Marketing. Yeah, I think especially. I mean, it's it's a funny one. I suppose with a with a founder, like it's it's definitely useful. But then at the same time, especially speaking from my own point of view, it can be a massive time sink, right? Can it? You can easily, before you know it, spend hours on a platform like LinkedIn and what you've actually achieved. Well, this is it. It's return on investment, right? So, I mean, I get it. I used it. I, I When I started on LinkedIn 2015, I think. But I remember when I started my LinkedIn strategy, and that was in 2016. But I knew because it's like prospecting. I said to myself, this is going to take probably a couple of years before it ever pays any dividends because I needed people to genuinely see me as an expert i didn't want to say i was an expert i didn't want to label myself an expert because then i don't trust anyone that has to tell you they're an expert that doesn't make any sense so i knew that i would have to build a reputation build a presence build a connection with the audience and that would take that doesn't happen with a cover no 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 it takes a while because it takes a while for the message so i knew it's two years before i'd maybe even get anything really worthwhile from it and it did take years because I was focused on doing it right, prospecting the whole time, never once stopped prospecting because it's immediate, it's instant, and it nets results quickly. But the LinkedIn was always there. It'll come, it'll come, it'll come. It's part of the – every business, everyone I'm, – I'm the same. Everyone who sets up a business wants to get to the point in the business where they don't have to do anything. People just give them money. Like McDonald's, all they got to do is keep making great ads and delivering the same quality of food, and they're always going to have orders. And they just take orders. It's just orders. Just keep the orders coming. I'm the same. I hated prospecting. I was very good at it, but mm -hmm. I hated it. And I used to say, I can't wait for the day when I don't have to prospect. Right? And people say, well, that's outrageous. You teach it. Yeah, I teach it so you can get out of it. Because once you get really good at it, you no longer have to do it again because you've done enough to have built up a business where people start coming to you. So... And this is it. So focus on what matters. Build the business, the social selling and all of that crap that will kick in once you've built something and then it will work. But it's not what you'd start off doing unless yeah. you're a super hot chick and you're doing stuff on LinkedIn and you just get millions of views purely because you look super hot. Yeah, there are people like that. I used to be like that, obviously. Super <laughs> yeah, rewind 20 years, yeah. <laughs> Something happened. I think I got hit by a number 10 bus. <laughs> and I had to start again as an ugly guy in a red hat. And that was a lot harder than being a hot chip. 
<laughs> classic, classic. I'll share something interesting a bit later about okay. prospecting and experiment that I've run. Um, cool. Those are the three common mistakes: avoiding, or basically avoiding the glossy, shiny objects, whether that is a website, whether that is something else. Yeah. Hiring the wrong kind of salespeople, or hiring salespeople in general until you've probably nailed some revenue yourself. I reckon, especially if you're bootstrapped and then too reliant on kind of social selling, marketing, LinkedIn, or whatever the channels may be. So with that said, because we're going to have founders that are perhaps kind of technically minded, like super smart when it comes to maybe the engineering yeah. side of building the product, maybe some some that are good, super good at managing people, maybe some that are super good, perhaps they think they're good at selling or they're good at building relationships, whatever. But can anyone sell? Can anyone sell? I think so. I don't think, I mean, I'm an idiot and I can do it, right? Um, there's not really a lot to this. It's, it's a skill set and all skill sets can be learned. You've just got to want to learn it. If you don't want to learn it, then no, you'll never be good at sales. It's not mm. hard to get people to give you money. And I think that's one of the things we've got to um, get clear. A lot of people confuse selling with people giving you money. Right. Right? So... I can sit by an ATM with a cup saying homeless and people will give me money. That doesn't make me a salesman. Yeah. With McDonald's, like I say, McDonald's doesn't sell anything. It's in the order fulfillment business. You go and place an order. In fact, that's what they should say to you if they're good, right? You know, may I take your order? Yeah. The decision to buy had been made before you've gone in. So they're in order fulfillment. So selling though, is where you've got something that maybe someone has or hasn't heard about, but you know it fixes problems that prospects may or may not have, and your job is to get in front of them and say, hey, look, this could fix this, and then having them say, you know what, you're right, let's buy. Yeah, and then obviously, so so it's not hard to get someone to give you money, and so if you work, like, ever heard that saying, no one ever got fired for hiring IBM? Haven't heard that one actually. Yeah, it, it, it was big. I think it was an ad campaign in the eighties. Basically, if you hire IBM, it's going to work brilliantly, and you won't get fired. And right. it is. It is. So if you're like an a IBM kind of salesman, you're not selling Jack. IBM's. It's the they're buying the name. You're just mm. the conduit. You're you're just a glorified order taker. It's like uh, no one no no one sells cars or houses. These things sell themselves. It's it's the people in between that get in the way of preventing someone buying, right? So, and they talk to you about all the features and the benefits and they end up boring you to hell and you think, you know what, bollocks to this. Or they're slimy and sleazy. So, yeah, separating selling from order taking is important. Um, yeah, anyway, I've lost my train of thought. but I Yeah, so you, I, I wrote down a few notes. So you were saying you, you've got to, I think the first point is probably vital. You've got to have the right mindset. So you've got to actually almost realize that you've got to put in graft and work to actually make this a success and understand that you're not selling a object or an offer or benefit. You're actually selling the solution to someone's problems. Yeah, too many people don't get that. Um, or if they do, they pay lip service to it. And they're so focused on wanting to talk about what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. The problem is, is nobody gives a rat's ass. I don't care. What I want to know is, why would I want this? And that's not me asking the question. It's you need to ask yourself, why would anyone want this? And it can't be happy, clappy stuff. It'll make them feel better. Again, I'm not motivated by that. It's got to be something that's hurting me that'll make me want to spend time and money. So you've got to ask yourself, what would my prospect most likely be pissed off with, frustrated, concerned with, annoyed, irritated with, that this fixes that they may not even be aware they're experiencing until I point it out to them. And then mm -hmm. when they hear, yeah, we do have that. Yeah, we do have that. 
Yeah, well, this can fix it. So, yeah, getting it right. The other thing is most people are in sales by default, not design. Very few people want to be in sales. And by that, I mean, when you're at school and you're asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? I Maybe one in every thousand said salesman. All the rest said lawyer, doctor, accountant, architect. Really cool. But then they went to university or they dropped out of school. And once they finished whatever it was, suddenly they realized no one's going to pay me for 18th century French portrait impressionist opinions unless I get a job in the Louvre and there's only one going every 10 years. So I now have all this knowledge. It's useless. I need a job. You're young, you're thin, you look good in a suit, you don't dribble. You are now qualified to enter the world of sales. And that's how they get into it. They needed a job. So why do you, why are you here? I need a job. They can't say that. So they say, well, you know, I've always been interested in business. I like sales. I've, I've always wanted to. I've seen my bollocks. I need a job until someone will pay me to talk about French impressionist art. <laughs> and then they get stuck because after about two years of being in sales, it hits you. There's no transferable skill set here. What do you do after being a salesman? Unless you set up a business, I've never seen a job say wanted ex-salespeople. <laughs> yes, with that comment. What, what, what skill set do you bring? So uh, you are trapped. And that's what happens. They get stuck there. And then written on the epitaph is something like, you know, born 2010, died 2040, but buried 2080. They've been for the last five years and they've been having the same year over and over again. It's terrible. So <laughs> I'm brutal on salespeople, but it's true because I used to be that way. I'm a lawyer. I fell into selling. I didn't want to do this. I had far better plans for my life. Turns out I've got really good at this and I love this. But when I first got into it, I needed a job. It's the only reason I went into sales. Mm. So, look, I mean, you're exactly right. None of us really, well, certainly I didn't do it by choice. And what happened to us is kind of when, um, when you, re- whatever you do, whether it is, kind of you use LinkedIn as a tool to generate business or generate sales conversations, whether you've got some kind of inbound marketing set up, whether that's running ads, running SEO, email marketing, whatever, to get you some inbound traffic and inquiries, whether you're doing something else, you realize that a lot of the time you're going up against other vendors. So most of the time, these people are speaking to three or four companies. You realize you're not after long, you're losing deals for the same reason consistently. Um, And you start to think, well, if I don't start winning more business, in the next few months, either I'm going to lose my job as a sales rep, but in our case, we're co- focused on founders, and things aren't going to keep going. No. So, um, and then you focus something on the has to shift. Thing. Yeah, and you start thinking, well, why is it not working? Why is no one? But maybe we need to change this. Maybe, and so you start fiddling with the product or the service, or it's like it's got nothing to do with that. It's the fact that you don't actually know how to sell. You've had some success, and people have given you money, and you keep trying to replicate that, but you can't replicate something that's luck, that's just happened. So now they're stuck and then they start tweaking and fiddling with the wrong bits. It's like, you've got to look in the mirror and say, I actually don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And if you're honest, why did we win all the business we've won? What was it? And you'll lie to yourself at first. Well, we've got a great product. Okay, cut through all the bullshit. Why did your prospect actually buy from you? And then they go, I don't know. So if you don't know why they actually bought from you, not your reasons, why they did, how are you ever going to replicate what you do? Because you're literally... I don't know. Uh, people just give me money if they like it. That's that's not a sales strategy. Mm. So let, let's let's try and share a few actionables. Um, kind of we talked about common mistakes. If anyone can sell, 
talked about understanding the problems that your offering is going to fix. What should a founder do? They've probably heard all this and felt absolutely demoralized thinking, yeah, some of this rings a bell or, or perhaps all of it rings a bell or perhaps a small portion does. Like, what are the, let's say we're, we're at the scenario that we've talked about where perhaps we've, we've, gotten, we've gotten maybe two or three months in, we've had a little bit of success, but now we've yeah. thought, oh, things are drying up a bit. And if I don't take a sh- sh- massive shift now, then in a few months, things are going to hit the pot. Um, what would you, what would you, what would you say to these people? Like, what are the first actions that they should take? Well, the first actions, it's really unsexy. It's um, you've got to figure out who do we need to be in front of and how we're going to get in front of them. It's that simple, and it comes down to grunt work, mm-hmm. uh, which is picking up the phones. I don't mind if you use email; I don't really care. But you've got to prospect. And this is, it's an ugly word. It's an unpleasant word. It comes from gold mining. How much dirt, how many rocks do you have to wash to find gold? A lot. (laughs) Yeah, that's why it's called prospecting. That's why we call this prospecting. Right now, within 100 miles of you, Mr. Founder, who's struggling, right now, within 100 miles, I bet there are 10 companies today that would buy your product because it fixes something that's pissing them off. The only problem you have is, is you don't know where those 10 are. But they're there. So what you need to do is figure out, well, what sectors are we going to sell? So let's say telecoms. Right. I know that within 100 miles of us, there are 400 telecoms companies. I suspect out of those 400, based on why we created this product, at least 40 of them are going to be suffering from what we fixed today. We need to get in front of those 40 people. Problem is, is there's another 360 to talk to. Now, if you're lucky, if God is on your side, all 40 first calls get through the 40 companies. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, then it's this wouldn't be prospecting. It would literally be plucking gold, wouldn't it? Doesn't work like that. You've got 400 potential companies you're going to have to phone. You may get through 100 before anyone expresses any interest. People give up. People quit. Ah, this is too hard. And that's why it's like what is it what what percentage of people made money during the gold rushes something like five percent of actual prospectors made money because digging in the wrong area giving up too soon uh over all of the ha- yes yeah, so this is why very few people get rich doing this because it is hard and it takes time and if you're mining in the wrong area you know, you may have got it all wrong. You're selling your product. You believe to a certain, I know, but then there's actually, there's a better one that you could be. So you've got to get this all right. Who are we selling to? Why would they want to buy our product? What would they be suffering from? Why would that motivate them to want to change? And does our product fix that? And if so, how do I put that together succinctly and phone them up and tell them? And that, that is how unsexy it is because that is it. There's no magic bullet. yes. You could be fortunate and create a video that goes viral and gets viewed 20 million. Hey, like that guy. Um, He's a classic. He's a, that American country folk singer, the one that went viral, must be about a month ago. He's standing in his bush and he's singing that song. Uh, and it's really, he's got an amazing voice. <laughs> but he suddenly was trending. He was bigger than Taylor Swift. Uh, he was automatically offered an $8 million deal to come and record his music and he turned it all down because he said no i never went into this you get a few people like that that have that amazing success but again he'd been posting videos 
for ages. He'd been posting that song for ages. It just so happened this particular one somehow just got caught up in the weirdness that is the internet. And, yep. and he was catapulted into stardom and buckets of money. They're the exceptions. But people look at these exceptions and say, all I've got to do is get that one bit of content. No, most of us are going to have to be down in the trenches, picking up the phones, meeting people. And eventually you'll get to a point where you won't because you've built something that people say, well, I know that brand and I trust that brand. And I know people that have used that brand and they don't need to sell me on it. I'm pretty much in. Yeah, that's where you want to get. But the grunt work cannot be underestimated. So if you set up a business, you have to be prepared to prospect. And if you're not, prepare to fail. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually agree. Like even running a, a marketing company when um, being bootstrapped and things like that, like I say, you're, not, you're often not going to have the money to invest in marketing ads or elsewhere. Oh. So if you can get these skills, which are bloody hard to put into play, but if you can actually take the effort to work out, like you said, the, the, these are fundamentals, not for, for sales, but for marketing as well. If you can clearly and succinctly understand exactly who is an ideal client profile for you, what verticals, what industry they're in, what are the kind of job titles they typically are? Is it, is it, are they the owner? Are they like small to medium businesses or are they like the marketing director, VP marketing, CMO or stuff like that? Um, what kind of top two or three problems are they facing? What's the impact of those problems that they'll have on their business? What happens if they don't fix it? What are the yeah. kind of repercussions? And then what are the outcomes that your offer brings? Like just knowing and you, that. And you have to be smart with it too, because the problem a lot of people have is they, um, they come up with one way of expressing what they do. And then they use that on everyone. Mm. But you've got to look at the structure of a business. A managing director views the world very differently from the finance director, who views it differently from the HR director, who's different from the sales director. Because they've all got their own agendas and they've all got mm. their own priorities. So you go in and you, you create something that works really well with sales directors. And you're able to nail sales directors with what you do and they buy you then take the same way and do it to a, a managing director. And then you, for some reason, they're not interested or they're not biting as much. You know, I don't get it. Why? The, because you're talking about the problem probably in a way that doesn't appeal to the MD. It appealed to the sales director because you were tapping into things. So you've got to be smart. You can't have the same message for mm. everyone. It's got to be different messages, different message for the MD, different message for the FD, different message for the HR director. If those three can buy your stuff, different messaging a lot of people don't do that they just say the same thing over and over again yeah it's a good point and that's yeah it's a good point shifting your messaging or approach to it's who you're actually talking right, to yeah. and what, what they what they personally care about i'll share a very quick story for, for the audience yeah. that might give some founders a little spark of hope after all of what sounds like extremely hard work so i thought to myself it's probably about a similar time last year i thought yeah. Every day I'm spending at least two or so hours on my desktop on LinkedIn. And I thought, there's no need for that. Like, I can flick some of that time into something else. Yeah. So I thought, I've spoken to so, well, I've spoken to you a few times on the show as a sales mm -hmm. trainer. I've spoken to a bunch of other sales trainers, entrepreneurs. We've had nearly 400 episodes. So I've learned oh, all the rest. And I've, I've read some of the leading sales. <laughs> so I think I know how to raise problems and kind of the impact of them and repercussions. So I thought, fuck it. I'll, um, I'm going to buy some data from a tool. I'm going to fire up a dialer. And what's the worst that can happen? I'll do maybe one or two hours a week. Um, and like you say, it was hard. 
Like, I was literally the first couple of times I did it because I'd cold called in previous sales jobs, but I hadn't done it much. Yeah. Since I'd kind of rejoined this company and become an owner and, and my podcast company as well. And I thought, started off tough, but then you soon realize like a lot of people you speak to, especially on phone conversations, are, are surprised because they don't get called on the phone. So many people are used to getting hounded on email, hounded on LinkedIn and any other channels. So a lot of the time they're quite pleasantly surprised and you go in expecting to get hurled abuse and be told to F off and the rest of it just doesn't happen. Yeah, you no, get the odd one. You get the odd just, one, yeah. If you lead with some of the openings, and Ben's been on the podcast many times, so just search Benjamin Dennehy, Sam Dunning or Benjamin Dennehy Business Growth Show and you'll see all our kind of past episodes on cold calling and running a demo and all that good stuff. But you'll be surprised. But we just by doing, let's say, one to two hours of prospecting a week, I think I've done nearly 100K in revenue just by doing a couple of spare, spare yeah, hours. So it shows you that people aren't expecting these calls. And if you do it in a, a way where you're going kind of problem focused around what that persona you're going after actually cares about and calling into the right level, you can generate probably a couple extra appointments, let's say one or so appointments each week. Yeah. And that's going to impact your pipeline, not immediately, but for let's say the next couple of months to come and have a knock on effect. So if you get, if you're a founder with limited cash, just doing this, this, this kind of stuff in your spare time where you would have been messing about on LinkedIn like I was, um, can really have a, a decent effect on your a business. And that's, effect, yeah. that's just an experiment for me. It's like I say, yes. we, we obviously do our own SEO, we do our own ads, we do LinkedIn, so we get a decent amount of leads. But I thought, what if I take a couple hours a week that I was pissing about on LinkedIn and just trial this? And yeah, those results surprised me quite a lot. That's really good. No, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of business out there. There's a lot of business to be had. And you are right. Um, people don't pick up the phone as much as they used to because they're scared of it. Younger people in particular even. Yeah, so uh, yeah, no, you phone, people are willing to talk, particularly if you ask good questions, not inane mm. questions. They've got to be questions designed to keep the conversation moving. And if you get that right, that combination, then people talk, like you say, occasionally you meet the odd dick, but you get that in yeah. any area of life. You meet someone, they're having a shitty day and you phone up, they found someone having a worse day than them. So they dump on you. But salespeople hold on to those one experiences as if it's the norm. And then, then mm. it scares them. And I, oh, you can't. Well, I said that once and this guy went off. So try it again. Just because one guy didn't like it doesn't mean you stop. So, yeah, you are right. You are, And it does pay dividends. Everyone that prospects consistently with a decent degree of, uh, you know, technique always says, I've made money from it. Because it's impossible not to make money from it unless you suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I say, check check out the previous episodes of Benjamin on, on the yeah. podcast and you'll see you'll see some of those tips. Um and I'll I'll do a, a dedicated solo episode in the future and with that cold calling experiment. So anyone founders tuning in, they can catch that soon and I'll share all the tools that we used. But we've talked about this a bit on previous shows, but it's just some of the fundamentals, Benjamin, because I'm mm. sure people are used to I think I've been on this problem as well, where people have um, kind of messaged me on LinkedIn and I've thought it was like an inbound lead or they've emailed me or it's someone that I've spoken to before. And they've been like, can I pick your brains for 15 minutes? Or can I talk about, in my case, websites or SEO for 15 yeah. minutes? And I know when you start, you're chomping at the bit for any kind of sales convo you can get. But yeah. quite often, as you've probably experienced, those can be um, absolute tire kickers, time oh, wasters, yeah. and they only want to yeah. kind of pull as much information as they can from your brain and then, basically bugger off yeah well, um, that's, that's 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 one of the downsides with social selling 
you see, because what you do is you attract a lot of people that are intellectually curious but are broke or have no desire to spend any money. And they reach out and they flatter you. Hey, really love your content. Really enjoy what you're pumping out there. Would love to have a chat about potentially maybe doing some work together at some point. It's all very vague and wishy-washy with a lot of compliments. We couldn't have a brief chat, could we? And then all they want to do is pump you for information. Um, and then uh, they disappear. Yeah, oh yeah it's a, that, that, that's one of the downsides to generating inbound leads because you have no control over the quality of what's coming in. So then you've got to do your filtering. And how do you filter without wasting a lot of time? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's where a website can be useful because if you say send them to your website, and your website's perhaps got pricing or it's got information about your process or you have to pay to book a call or something else, then you can kind of filter out the tire kickers. So that's when it can be useful. But usually... Well, I, I charge people to talk to me. See, I, I got this all the time. And um, one day I thought, I thought, you know what, bollocks to this. I get so many of these leads and 85% of them turn out to be BS. So I set up, a, you have to pay to talk to me. So whenever I get a message now um, and I get a lot, people say, hey, Benjamin, really enjoyed yourself. Would love to have a chat about potentially doing some sales training. I say, that's great. Book a consult call and we can have a chat for an hour or so. And as soon as... Most people realize I got to pay. They go, oh, no, nah, that's all right. Uh, I was just, you know, really. I had what well, I won't mention any names, but I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a founder of a company reach out to me, a, a tech company, SaaS, whatever the hell it was, and, and uh, he said, Benjamin, we've uh, created an AI phone call. We'd love for you to critique it. We'd love to send it for you, and you critique it. And I said, fine. I said, well, look, I'll tell you what, that's probably going to take me an hour or two. Book some of my one-to-one -one coaching sessions and I'll do it. Oh, no, 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 we don't, <laughs> have, no, 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 we don't have any money or anything like that. We just, yeah, yeah. really? Yeah. So you're a startup with no money. You're paying all these developers. When you thought I was free, you couldn't wait to get my opinion. And then the moment I said, oh, no, I'm going to charge you. Oh, no. And it's like, fuck off. I know what you're doing and it ain't going to work. I'm not a charity. I'm not here. You, you know, it's like, no. And you have to do that. And I and 85% of people go away. I've got a 95% close rate on people that pay because they've effectively said, we need a sales trainer. We just don't know if it's you. So we're already halfway there. We've eliminated the curious. Yeah. And of the 5% that I don't sell to, it's usually by mutual agreement that we're not right for each other. Hmm. And every now and then, every six months, because I have to do this because I'm a, a masochist or a sadist. I don't know what the phrase is. Every six months, I let someone talk to me for free. And, <laughs> I, I, you record it and put it on your YouTube, don't you? Well, because every single time I let someone talk to me for free, they ghost you. Happens every, And I do it to remind myself, this is why I charge for the calls. Because whenever I do anything free... They ghost you. And I do it as a reminder because I get people who say, well, you must be losing business because I wouldn't pay to talk to you. Well, then you were never going to pay. If you can't afford 170 quid to talk to me, how are you going to afford the fees for the training? Mm. Yeah. So no, it filters out. And if I did lose out on someone that could have been a client, I'll never know. Can't lose something I never had. So I don't care. No, that's it. And even if you're not in a luxury where you've got tons of inquiries coming in, I think just having some kind of qualification process, oh, whether absolutely. that's perhaps someone says, I'd like to talk to you for 15 minutes. We just query that a bit more. If you don't have a website, you can send them to where it has like your pricing, your process and booking time in your calendar. Maybe you just dive into it and just say, what exactly did you want to discuss? You could just say something 
even polite, like, sorry, I get tons of inquiries. Can you share exactly what you wanted to discuss, what it involves and what you're hoping to get out of the call? And that way, they're actually going to share like, oh, I was looking for information on this or my manager wanted to know this. And then you can say, well, it's probably best I just tell you now and then you can work out if it's worth Yo, it. Yeah, I love it when I get the, well, my boss has asked me to look into this. Well, mm. well, I'm my boss and my boss says he can't be asked wasting time with someone that's been asked by someone else to look into that. So now if your boss isn't willing to talk to me, then I'm not wanting to start this dance. Look, well, okay. Well, I love that we so my boss won't talk to you. Then why are we? Why would we? Then, <laughs> so the person that's going to sign the check won't talk to the person he's got to send the check to. So if you were me, would you start this process? Seems a waste of everybody's time. Mm. Yeah, the classic. So we've got about five minutes before you got a dash. Oh, wow. We've we've done um, we've done this a bit before, but I think it's going to be useful to to recap mm. it. Let's say um, as a founder, we've we've got a conversation with a prospect. Yeah. And we believe so far it's maybe somewhat qualified. So perhaps we've either reached out to them, email, cold call, LinkedIn, whatever, or they've come to us and yeah. we've asked a few very basic qualification questions. Yeah. So we believe they've got a problem we, we can fix and maybe a bit of cash. What are your top recommendations in the next couple of minutes for actually running that sales call um, in <laughs> terms of kind of how it should be done? And this hopefully can flip a lot of people's opinions on what should be done on its head. Well, the problem with most sales meetings is they're like they're a they're a dog and pony show. It's basically people show up, throw up, and hope. Yeah, um, and it comes. It often comes down to their behaviours driven by scarcity. Most salespeople are never getting in front of enough people, and because they're never in front of enough people, whoever they do get in front of, they want to win. Because if they don't win them, then they're in even more trouble because they're not going to hit their target. So it all comes back to prospecting. If you're not getting in front of more people than you can sell to, you're always going to struggle. And so when you're in front of somebody with the scarcity mindset and I've got to get a deal, I've got to get a sale, I need this, you're now emotionally attached to the outcome which determines you're going to behave in a way that is not in your best interest. And most salespeople then tend to come across as a bit submissive, compliant. They can get a bit uh, pugilistic because uh, if they feel the prospect isn't going the way they want it to go, they start to feel frustrated because they don't get it. We could fix their problems. I don't understand why they don't see it. So then you end up, so, so their entire behavior and all the techniques they adopt are more likely to frustrate the process. They'll get trapped in answering questions and because they want them to be liked and they don't want to upset them so then they don't do their job and their job when you get in front of a prospect when i get in front of a prospect um i know this this is all i know they need me i don't need them now it's hard to think like that if you haven't been prospecting, you got no pipeline and you're about, so that's your fault. So when people say, yeah, but you can only act like that when you're doing well, it's like, well, why are you not doing well? So it's always your fault. Mm -hmm. So now that I know this, I'm sitting in front of them and I now know they need me. I don't need them. I'm not here to convince them of why they should use my sales training. I know my sales training works. The question for me is, are you suitable to be my next customer? Why should I sell to you? Why should I help you? Can you convince me you need help? You see, if someone can't convince me, then why would they spend a load of money and time? So my job in the sales meeting is to challenge everything. I need them to basically put the case as to why I should help them. Now, I'm making it sound very simplistic, 
It's a bit more complicated than that. But that's the general thing. I am not there to convince you why you should work with me. I'm there for you to convince me why I should help you because I know this stuff works because I built an entire business around it and it works. It doesn't matter what you sell. You sell widgets. These widgets work. We sell them all over the world. They work. So I'm not here to convince you why you should buy these widgets. Yeah. Tell me, why should we sell to you? You came on this show probably when we did an episode a couple of years ago and you shared a really nice question that I use at the start of sales calls now. Once you've done your, you know, your usual building rapport, how did you stumble upon us? How's it going? Like blah, 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 the rest of it, the, the, you do the common, the commonalities at the start of a call. Yeah. What would you like to have happen by the end of this sales call? That is one of the most revealing questions that I've seen yeah. that you can ask. Oh, because yeah. then you'll know straight away whether they're the decision maker, who they've got to report to, how serious they are about the offer. Yes. Um, and then I think you said, once you know that, follow up with, not sure if we'll get that far, but if by the end of the call, kind of you believe we can help you and I believe you can help you, what happens next? Yeah, and that, so, you've literally uncovered the whole truth. Like all of their secrets are now revealed how serious they are. Yeah. So you ask people, so can I ask you a question? What would be a good outcome? Or another one I ask uh, at the beginning is, let's pretend we decide to work together. Let's fast forward 12 months. It's now October 2024. What will I have done or what will you be doing differently for you to be able to say hiring Benjamin was the best decision we ever made? So what has to change? And then that's when you get them, then they have to come up with something. But often they come up with bullshit, wishy-washy stuff, which is what I want because then I get to start to challenge them. My job is to make my prospect realize I know more about you and your problem than you realize. And you're only going to give someone a lot of money if you genuinely believe they know more about this than you. So my job is to make you realize you think you know what's wrong, but I don't think you really do. And I'm going to show you that through my questioning. So when they say, well, we'd like to be selling more, that's the usual answer. I get, well, I, I, I get that. I mean, that's that's what everyone would say. I get, so I get, let me ask you the question a better way. And it's always done to set them up. Selling well is the outcome of doing something well, yes? So selling badly would be the outcome of doing something badly, yes? So what is it you're doing that's preventing you selling more? Or what is it you're not doing that if you were doing, you'd sell more? Now they have to start thinking. It's, uh, oh, I don't know. Well, see, we need to figure that out. Because if we don't know what it is, then you're not going to fix. So this selling more. So they always give you these pie-in-the-sky things. But my job is that that's, that's a bullshit answer. You're not selling for a reason. What is it? I don't know. That's why I'm here. I'm here to figure it out. And if I can figure it out and you believe I can fix it, what's going to happen between us? Well, we're probably going to, when you say probably, you meant to say you wouldn't be able to. No, 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 we would be. All right. right no, 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 yeah. So it's all about challenging and getting them. Yeah. Get them to paint the picture. Where do you want to be? What happens if you don't get there? Why now? I mean, you've had this problem for 12 months. Why Why now? What's changed? What's happened? What's the trigger? What's motivated? You didn't just wake up one morning and say, I think we need to sell more. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. So what's going on? So it's all about getting the whole picture painted. I'm just there to get to the truth. Mm. I just want the truth. But I know the prospect is holding the truth from me because he can't let Benjamin know just how badly things are. Because if he knew just how bad it was, he'll put his fees up. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's it that's it. a lot of a lot of this a lot of what you shared is about uncovering the truth yeah. but yeah to, to kind of recap as we're, we're coming up on your time and it feels like from what we've discussed a lot of this about is about stop blaming external factors to realize that especially yeah. as a founder look at the mirror if you're looking for sales problems mm, exactly and we're all, we're all it's easily done like the economy's down or no one answers the phone anymore or we're not getting any inbound leads or linkedin reach is going down whatever you want to blame it's all bollocks. Um, we know that because it, it was it was like that yesterday for somebody else like that yesterday for somebody else it's been like that every day for someone so yet the economy and the world has kept turning. So no, all those excuses are just procrastination BS. Mm. And a lot of this is behavioral, right? It's almost oh, yeah. like you put into play frameworks. Like I'm going to do this each day. I'm going to make sure that I do X, Y, Z. Because I know if I put this framework into play, whether that is a marketing activity, a content activity, or a sales prospecting activity, I know if I hit these markers each day, then in couple months time i'm not gonna have to be panicking my ass yeah. off because we're gonna have How to do you become a professional golfer a professional swimmer you don't just say oh, i'm gonna go to the swimming pool every couple of weeks it's not no i'm there every day at 4 a.m i do this and then i do this and then i do it. then i follow this particular diet regime and i can't eat this and i can't eat, and i do this every fucking day for four years until the olympics Salespeople seem to think i'll read a couple of books i'll try a few things and then after that, it's everybody else's fault. Mm. No. Marketers are no different, mate. Um, <laughs> there we go. Benjamin, always a pleasure or always a chore, never you. a pleasure. Something like that. Um, but no, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much, mate. Always enjoy the chat. Please do share more about how everyone tuning in can learn more about yourself, connect with you and, and any of your websites you want to promote. Yeah. So obviously it's easy to find me, UK's most hated sales trainer. So if you Google that, you'll find me. LinkedIn, it's under my name or UK's most hated sales trainer. And obviously my website is UK's most hated sales trainer.com. So uh, yeah, it's you'd have to be a complete idiot if you couldn't find me. Yeah, yeah. He's, Benjamin's got Which plenty of Which is why I don't work with a lot of salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of good stuff on youtube and like i say check out our previous interviews where we cover a lot of the stuff we didn't today um so thanks again benjamin you'll find all of those links to connect with benjamin on businessgrowth.marketing um got to give a quick shout out to our sponsor dealfront so if you're looking for gdpr compliant data for your go-to-market sales and marketing team to drive more leads build up your pipeline grab your own free demo at dealfront.com and apart from that appreciate you all tuning in feel free to give us a quick subscribe on youtube rating review on apple Podcasts is appreciated catch you on the next one for more no bs b2b marketing tips to grow your business cheers for tuning in